How many hours and years of our lives do we spend on work? For nearly all of us, we spend 30 plus years and one third of our days in our vocation. More time, perhaps, than we spend at rest or at play. But this isn't a problem. Why? Because work is good. Work needs to be integrated deeply into our lives and must be in line with our most important goals and values. And if it is, we have a far more complete and fulfilling life experience. Welcome to the How People Work podcast, where we explore the intersection of how humans think and act and how they apply themselves to their work. When you understand both of these things, you'll be equipped to be insightful, compassionate, and compelling leaders. This is How People Work with your host, Jason Murray. I'm Jordan Peace. I'll call myself a co-host, uh, special right. guest, whatever the situation calls for. Everyday special guest. Yeah, everyday special guest. If you've listened to Bragworthy Culture and you're wondering how the heck you got here and who this person is, once again, Jason Murray. Bragworthy Culture has been continued on and evolved into this new podcast, new format, uh, new locale. I'm no longer in uh, my studio, which is the bedroom closet in my home, uh, but now in, a, in an actual a beautiful space with professional equipment, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but this is our first episode of How People Work, and that expression, How People Work, is purposefully obscure. It has two meanings. Uh, We're going to talk about how human beings work in terms of how human beings function and think and go about life, how they work, right? And then also how they work, how they go about their labor, how they do work, get to the office, not get to the office, have coworkers, have bosses do their career. Um, And so we're going to talk about both things, kind of the psychological, sociological aspect of human beings, and then also just you know, the the culture around work and how that's evolved over the course of time, how we see evolving in the future. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. And we will have guests occasionally, um, not every week like we did in the old format, um, but wanted to share today a little bit about Jason and my company, Fringe. Uh, we also have three other co-founders who, uh, not to leave them out at all, but they're not with us today on the podcast. Uh, so Jason's going to guide us through the conversation a little bit more. But we're going to be talking about Fringe, why we started it, and also why we started this podcast, which yeah. is very much related. Yeah, very, very much related. So yeah, we're glad that you're joining us and excited to uh, start some of these conversations. And so since yeah. we are in this first episode and transitioning from what we were doing before, um, would love to talk a little bit about what you hope people will get out of this? Who is this for? What are these conversations going to do for people that might be listening? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for you and me, it's all about authenticity. It's it's all about having a place where we can say the real stuff about what it's like to have a career in our case in tech, in this sort of venture-backed zoo that we live in, um, but also just in any kind of career, what it's like to have coworkers and to have a boss and to, you know, go through a recession and be fearful for your job and not know how things are going at the top and what your boss might be thinking and what his or her boss might be thinking and, and just have a real conversation about some of that stuff. I hope that our listenership turns out to be anybody from a CEO or a CPO to somebody who's aspiring to start their own company or that just walked in the door to a new company in their first job out of college and it's like what is this like 
like subculture of work. I don't understand what's <sighs> happening here. This is not like everyday life. I'm confused. Um, and just just have a real honest conversation about what's happening in the workplace, what's coming down the track or what we perceive to be coming down the track um, and why um, I think why things are changing, why yeah. generations are shifting in the workplace, kind of the power dynamic through generations are shifting and therefore the workplace is just utterly changing, um, which is kind of uncomfortable for several generations, you know, mm. not fully comfortable for anyone yet mm. as we're settling into the new normal uh, with remote work and other things. So, um, yeah, just just excited to get into that topic and, and just be able to share our perspective with the world. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and I'd add to that that I, I hope people who are um, not just HR folks and people leaders, but yeah. leaders of people or just really anyone who's in a position to influence those around them can find value in these things that we're going to be talking about. And I think, too, there's something I've been thinking about um, that I don't know if I shared it with you explicitly, but just this idea that work should be a good thing. Mm. And so this whole notion of, you know, how we work as humans, but how we apply ourselves to work, I feel like is something that ought to be investigated and talked about. And I think mm. that's relevant to us and our story and what yeah. we're doing here with Fringe, because we're trying to very much build a company yeah. in which people can feel that they do good work and that the work is good for them and mm. good for their lives and their family. And I think that's not true in the experience of many people we've interacted with mm. over the years as well. So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um in a in a sad way really aided us in recruiting some really fantastic people mm -hmm. because they've had a really poor experience in work and it's almost never has to do with the work itself. Right. It has to do with the relationships at work or the lack of relationships at work. Right. Um, or just not feeling seen, heard, or or kind of dignified as human beings. So mm -hmm. we'll talk a lot about that topic. Yeah. We're both very passionate about putting people first and that, that people matter and um, that even though somebody might come into your company and it doesn't work out perfectly and they don't they don't fit the job like we thought they that that person that human being should be given respect and dignity and honor whether they stay or go right so y'all are going to hear a lot about that as you listen to this podcast we're very passionate on that topic um but like we said um let's not stray too far from the topic at hand today which is fringe um, yeah so which is actually really kind of different for me i went through all of bragworthy culture I don't know how many dozens of episodes and didn't even mention Fringe mm -hmm. outside of the intro and the outro of being sponsored by Fringe um, because that podcast was about those that I was interviewing and bragging on their culture, right? Mm -hmm. But um, And so I'm like, okay, I get to talk about my startup now. Like, that's cool. I'm very excited to do that. Um, and so, you know, I, we want to tell the origin story a little bit here. So Jason and I go back quite a long time. Um, I think we met somewhere in the range of 2013, I want to say, might have been the year that we uh, first met. Jason actually interviewed me for a job. Um, that's how we got to know each other initially and realized that we had quite a bit in common, both from a standpoint of just kind of where we were at from a family standpoint and where we were at from a previous career going into that that position, which was in financial planning. Um and I didn't think at the time that 
either one of us would be here, and certainly not both of us together, um, running a venture back startup in tech. Uh, right. There. Of all things. Of all things. Um, and I think that's that's one of the parts of the story, actually, is is just the story of not having the belief that we could do something like this, you know? And, you know, you, you read articles about people that start these companies, and it seems like every other one just was too brilliant to stay at Stanford or Harvard or whether they just like, they're so bored by their second semester that they just had to leave and go make a billion dollars overnight. Mm -hmm. And just that, that perspective, I think, just always held me back from not even trying this, but even like starting a business at all and like yeah. just putting myself out there at all because I just thought, who am I? You know, I'm just like some guy, yeah. you know? Well, it's funny thinking thinking about that because the first kind of iteration that we had mm -hmm. was actually something before Fringe. Yeah. It was greenhouse money. And um, you probably remember it more clearly because I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes, but you had been pushing for some time for us to leave a larger organization that we had been at doing yeah. finance. And About a year, but nobody's counting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, one day it finally mm -hmm. hit me and we just thought, hey, why don't we try and go do our own thing? And so that was kind of the genesis of what ultimately became Greenhouse Money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that if we hadn't done that, we never would have done this, right? Because right. that took... That took a measure of courage to just leave this pretty established practice or practices that we both had. Mm -hmm. We had long client list. We had the we were on the track. We were doing the things. We were doing following the. If anybody listening and knows anything about Northwestern Mutual, we're following the Granum, Granum system. Mm -hmm. We're doing our dials and smiling and dialing and all that stuff, and just be you know just on the track and to step off that track and to give up every last client and every last commission and every last, I don't even remember what they're called anymore, but the, the funds that keep coming in. Yeah, the, the renewals. Renewals, right? Mm -hmm. um, that was a big step. And, uh, you know, and what was cool, it was a couple of things that was cool, not just taking that step, but the next thing that was really awesome was when we went out and started sharing that vision with some friends and family and said, hey, look, we, we don't really have any startup capital. We want to go do this thing. Like we we did. We just were not financially sound either one of us at that point right. in time, and that was not that many years ago. And you know, so going to folks and saying, "Hey, we got a vision. Do you want to put up some capital in exchange for you know some equity in this thing?" That like, yeah, I mean, we've got some experience in the industry, but we never started a company before. We didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah, and to have people take a chance on us and invest some of their hard-earned money and say like, no, I, I like your vision. I trust you. I believe in you. Like, let's do this thing. It was like, whoa, like a, that, that was a light bulb, like personally, and I think probably for both of us that maybe, maybe what we were doing was going to be wildly successful or not. I don't know, but it was a light bulb that I don't have to necessarily be a person of great means to go in to get started in something, mm -hmm. right? Now, it takes a good network, it takes knowing people, it takes casting a vision and so forth. And I think we're privileged to know at least a handful of people that could help us in that way. But that spark was the only reason why when the, the idea of Fringe came about, it was like, okay, like 
what's stopping us, right? right? There's people out there with money, and they will write a check to invest in your idea if they like it and they like you, mm-hmm. and you can go do whatever you want. And it's just like, what is this world? You yeah. know? Like, <laughs> that was just so foreign, yeah. right, at the time. And now it all feels very normal, and we've lived and been steeped in that for a number of years now. But right. So we got started with Fringe. The idea came out of our work in financial planning, obviously, um, working with so many, I'd say Gen X and Gen Y mostly is who we were working with, Mm -hmm. young individuals, young couples, trying greenhouse money, by the way, financial planning firm, we should have explained that. That may be apparent from the context, but we were helping them try to save money, figure out what they wanted to do in life, figure out how they wanted to invest, how do they budget, how do they be responsible, yada, yada, yada. What was interesting was that we often talked about their career. It's just a natural thing to talk about when you're talking, you know, talking about money is how much I make and do I should I switch careers? Should I'm I'm gunning for this promotion? I just got a raise. So oh yay, now we can save more over here and invest more over there. So it was just a natural thing to talk about. And coming to the realization that I think a lot of people looked at their career as something that was um just not not very satisfying and not from the standpoint of the work i mentioned this just a few minutes ago not because the work wasn't good or or suited for them necessarily but you just got this sense that there was this cynicism around like Mm -hmm. well when they told you what they made it was like here's what i make i probably should have made more but nobody appreciates me it was like (laughs) the undertone right right and I don't think that that means that we were just unlucky enough to find every person in America that was underpaid. I think it's that's that feeling yeah. is not really so much coming from the money as coming from the just not feeling appreciated or seen, right? Yeah. And, and well, so, it's transactional, yeah, it's transactional. A, right? I mean, yeah. we talk about that a lot around fringe that you know that that exchange of wages for yeah. time is just something over you know, all these years of human history that, you know, has just been like, I'm going to give you some of my effort in exchange for that money. Yeah. And it's exactly that. It's a transaction. It's nothing more. But I think you and I believe, and this is part of what we're trying to bring to the surface in some of these conversations is that, you know, we as humans are more than that. And so it's no wonder that that's a dissatisfying experience for all of these people that we were talking to in you know, the finance business that, that we're doing. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, so so I think realization number one is people are dissatisfied with their work, right? For the reasons that we just named, I, we believe, right? Uh, sometimes maybe the work's not suited, but I think mostly, I think we're hitting the nail on the head there. The second realization is that people didn't really fully grasp or understand the ways in which their employer was actually trying to show some love or some appreciation, Mm -hmm. right? Because the way employers have been trying to show love and appreciation, if you can give them credit for that, over the last like 80 years is through primarily just a 401k and health insurance, Mm -hmm. right? So that was the other like, bing, it was just like, wait. And we started doing the research, we were like, wait, Health insurance as a benefit's been around since the 40s, you know, and, and the 401k is like the late 70s. Like, right. what's changed since then? Really, like, really in a big way, like a big right. categorical change. Pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ad hoc this and that, and sort of trying to plug holes and put band aids and lipstick on a pig, if you will. Like, that seems to be everything that's been done since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And that was the 
may, perhaps even bigger realization for us is just like, oh, wow, there's a really, there's a serious lack of innovation in the benefits world. And we've got, we've gone multiple generations since the 80s in terms of who's kind of the primary force in the mm-hmm. workforce. Um, and then, of course, millennials now, and then, you know, we're going to get chased out by the Gen Zs at some point yeah. in the not-so-distant future. But, you know, just the thought process of, wow, there needs to be a change. Um, and so, you know, I think the obvious struggle at that point, the obvious uh, reason why we could have walked away from it is because when you look at who administers benefits in at least in America, like it's it's giants, mm-hmm. right? Like just titans, giant companies that have been doing it for decades and decades, mm-hmm. super entrenched, broker relationships all over the place. Everything's just very locked up tight, mm-hmm. airtight, and we're just kind of competing for a little bit of market share. Right. And it's like, we're like, yeah, we're going to get in there and like yeah. innovate and like, you know, David and Goliath type of story. And that was scary, yeah. you know. Um, but I want to, I want to, yeah. I want you to take us though to because I think at least for me, it, it was a really distinct moment when the uh, idea for Fringe mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. came about, and so yeah. you know, we yeah. had we had some clients in the office. One we had day. some clients in the office because we started a company, and thankfully we were able to get some new clients, even though we walked away from all of our right. old clients. <laughs> And uh, her name was Lindsay, I remember, mm-hmm. uh, was sitting in the office and, and she asked a question, which is not the first person to ask this question about how her, I think it was health insurance benefits work or right. disability or something that horribly boring that even people in our own industry were just like, do I really have to explain this? Right. Again? And so after explaining this thing for 20 minutes and her eyes glazed over, you know, I, I kind of, I was just. I walked her to the door. I remember I came back, sat next to you. I don't even know if I sat because I was just frustrated, you know, and just, and I was just like, why? <laughs> what, first, why do we have to continue to explain this thing to people? But secondly, right. and most importantly, why are companies offering exclusively things that people don't understand, mm-hmm. right? And because they don't understand them, they also don't appreciate them. And if they don't appreciate them, then they might be a waste of money, right? right? Or at least an inefficient use of money to just go, yeah, here's some insurance that you don't get. Here's a contract that you're never going to read. Here's a 401k that if if you happen to live to be 65 years old, it's going to benefit you someday. That's great. It's, It's not that people shouldn't save. It's not that people shouldn't insure themselves. But if the point of the benefits is to engender loyalty and to show appreciation and right. to and to try to kind of have more than a transaction with your people, which that's what the salary is. Right. You do work, I pay you money. That's the transaction, right? The benefits should be more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, I, yeah, it just it all just kind of materialized in that moment. And I was just like, you know what, man? Like, this needs to be innovated, and we should be the ones to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember even that day, simply because we're kind of, you know, finance nerds and we know that industry, we even had the word fringe. Right. Because fringe benefits, if, you know, if you have our background, it's like, yeah, that's that's cool. It's, it's like, what it is, Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool startup-y right. word, but it's also like literally what the, yeah. the idea was of like taking this idea of fringe benefits that, you know, historically have really been 
more reserved for the executive and right. like the jet would be a fringe benefit, right? right? Like something like that, the, the company jet and taking that and democratizing that and say, well, what if we took fringe benefits and applied it to everyone, right? Right, And just said, no, you don't have to be some unique person in the organization. You don't have to be at this level in the organization. You just have to be here on this team. Right. And these are the benefits that teammates on this team get. Yeah. Right. Just, and I don't want to say welcome to the family because family and business is not always the best word, but that, that emotion of like, welcome to the family. Here are, here are these things. Right. 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 That's, I think what we felt at that time would be really impactful in the workforce and that the next, you know, the next financial advisor that's sitting down with their client that works for XYZ company that has these sorts of benefits in place, they wouldn't sit down with the same cynical attitude. They would sit down and say, this is what I make and this is what our company does and I love working there and I have these cool benefits that really enhance my life in various ways. And like, it would be a different conversation, Yeah, you know? And that's a lofty thing to kind of go after to try to eradicate cynicism in all of the workforce. But like the cynicism is coming from a relational breakdown, you know? And I think if you can find ways to heal that and find ways to communicate well in this relationship between employer and employee, I think we actually can change the workforce in a, in a really significant way. Yeah, yeah. So we go from this moment yeah. where this client leaves the office yeah. and you know we have this conversation about what are fringe benefits? You know, what could be done differently? Yeah. What does this innovation look like? Yeah. And so for a while, it was just a sticky note on the yeah. wall. I mean, we had the idea, but we also had this new business that we had just started. It was yeah. going really well. It and was. so we weren't trying to go start something new, especially in an arena that we really had no experience in yeah. whatsoever. Uh, but it was one of those ideas that was just really sticky. It just mm-hmm. kind of lodged in your mind. Mm-hmm. We started having conversations with some friends about it. And, you know, one thing led to another. Um, and, you know, shout out to Chris, one of our other co-founders, but he was the one that really, you know, put some uh, effort behind this. Well, poor Chris. I mean, Chris and I, Chris Lerman, you can look him up on LinkedIn. He won't respond to you because he's not active enough. <laughs> um, but Chris Lerman, one of our co-founders, he has been a very, very good friend of mine since 2007. We were mm-hmm. in, No, I'm sorry, 2004. We were in college together. Um, he has heard at least a couple of hundred business ideas uh-huh. from me. <laughs> And pretty much told me that all of them were bad. (laughs) And so that that really was like to have people that know you so well and like know your BS, know Mm -hmm. like what you bring to the table. And then you see their eyes light up when you share an idea. It's like that's far more proof than some very cordial, very, you know, very polite stranger that's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Right. right. So that it really was. I mean, credit to Chris, like really genuinely and literally, because I don't think without that approval and that sort of push and that like, no man, this is the one, I don't think we would have done it. You right. know? Yeah, because, definitely for not. all the reasons that you just named and yeah. others. Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty busy. And yeah. so I mean, he went off and did a ton of research. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember sitting in, you know, the little closet office that we had with literally printed, because that's what we did, all the articles I'm from- I'm not sure why we printed, but we printed well, everything. So we'd yeah. highlight, you know? Yeah, I know. we probably know, shouldn't admit tactile, that. Yeah, yeah I don't we know. did. Um, so, yeah. And 
I mean, it was stuff from McKinsey and Deloitte yep. and Gartner and all these places that do the research on yeah. employee trends. Forrester. And Forrester. Yeah, yeah that was a big that one. That study was a big one. Yeah. yeah. And we just sat down and started reading them and mm -hmm. highlighting the things that stood out and the trends that really kind of caught our attention yeah. then that seemed to I validate. wish we had a picture of us because I, I have a mental image yeah. of that little closet office and we're sitting in the middle of the floor in that little just shabby carpet everywhere and they're just spread out in like almost a complete circle around us and right. we're just crawling around highlighting things yeah, like yeah. it was great you know, I kind of missed those we days we were like children you know? yeah. yeah we were we were I mean uh, just discovering something yeah. new you know it was uh, pure but, moment I remember what was really exciting about it was, I mean, we've had plenty of ideas, you and I together, yeah, that right. all lived on that sticky note while yeah. where Fringe was, yeah. but it was very validating when we started looking at that trend research yeah. because it was talking about things like the personalization of benefits, yeah. like the changing employee experience, you know, the expectations that employees had, what the future of work was gonna look like. Mm. And so all of a sudden, I think for us, it went from, hey, maybe this is just an interesting idea to like, oh, wow, like there's actually something here that maybe we could do something about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and then also backed up by, of course, you, you start calling people, you start, you know, you, you find the articles online of like some cool company that did some cool thing. And yeah. then when you're in business creation mode, you don't just read the article, you call the CEO. Right. <laughs> hey, tell me about why you're doing this yeah. and like beg people to talk to you and give you information. And that was really cool because we found companies that were essentially trying to create fringe themselves just for their own employees, yeah. right? And, and really kind of low resolution ways, but, at, but the heart of it was there. I want each of my individuals, individual employees to feel like individuals and to feel like they're getting personalized kind of service and attention from the benefits that we're offering. Right. And and it wasn't traditional stuff. It was the same type of things that we were thinking about with services and experiences and subscriptions and yep. and things that people are in our generation spend their money on. Yeah. I mean in really significant amounts of money on. Um and so that that was all of that kind of together, you know, I think November, December of twenty eighteen, it was like, let's go. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Uh, so how did you feel starting Fringe not having any background in HR? Oh, my gosh. Um, much like I feel now. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like a fish out of water, and I still, I still often do. I mean, I, I think, you know, anybody that's led a company or been a co-founder of a company, I hope if they have any humility at all, should admit to you that they feel an insane amount of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think I felt, um, and, and not to speak um, for you or say that you don't feel this way, but I felt that even going to college, like in my family, given my history and background and so forth, even going to college was like, who do you think you are type of thing? You know, no one said that to me, yeah. but that was a feeling, right? And then to, to work in an office and to to be a financial planner at right. Northwestern Mutual and put yeah. on three-piece, well, we never really wore three-piece, but <laughs> put on suits and right. it was just like, why are you peacocking around? Yeah, like the, right. Those are the internal yeah. voices in my mind. And then, okay, you think you can actually go compete with the Princeton dropouts that are, you know, <laughs> raising from Sequoia? What, like, uh -huh. like, really? You? 
Yeah. You know, like that's all the internal dialogue that it's faded some because we have done some of the things that yeah. my internal voice said I couldn't do, right? So right. it's like, well, screw you, internal voice. Like, wait, I actually did that, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's still like just an insane amount of like, you know, us, right? Like us, you yeah. know? Um, but I think that's that, that's what's that that's part of why I want to do this, right? Like, because I hope yeah. that there's somebody listening that's just like, oh yeah, they're saying that, but they're just like humble bragging and like they probably are just brilliant. Oh. I'm actually just not brilliant. <laughs> like I'm like eh, smart, you know, but like have some ideas. But we just hustled and we believed yeah. and we had courage and we tried and failed and tried and failed and we're yeah. still trying and failing all the time. And, but when you just don't quit and you just don't relent and you just don't let all the naysayers and all the circumstances tear you down, right. you can do it. Yeah. You actually can. Yeah. Because 99.9% .9 of people are too scared. Yeah. Right. So it just leaves all this wide open space for anyone who will have the courage to do pretty much anything they want in life. Yeah. Because others just won't. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that was kind of a speech, but yeah, I, I feel like an imposter, but also like yeah. determined, you know, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, that's, that's a good way. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm, I would say the same too. I yeah. mean, it's kind of ridiculous to think like, Hey, like we're not software guys, we're not engineers, nope. but we thought it would be a good idea to yeah. start a software company yeah. when we had no experience whatsoever yeah. in the HR people space, which yeah. again, right. very little experience. But I do think where you maybe undersell a little bit was a lot of both of our experiences kind of professionally before had a lot to do with people. That's and so true. I do think we did come into this yeah. experience, maybe not with anything technical around mm -hmm. you know, a software company or HR in particular, but um, I think with a lot of uh, at least vision and passion for mm -hmm. what a a good work experience should look yeah. like. Yeah. And I think some of what served us well is not having a lot of corporate experience. Yeah. Uh, we have very little appreciation for the way things should be done. Right, right. Because we just don't know what they are. Yeah, exactly. And so a right. lot of what we've done has just been what seems to make sense with mm -hmm. what we know and understand about people from yeah. our own experiences. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's that whole, you know, I, I wrote this, tongue-in-cheek document a few years ago you probably remember called the corporate oh, detoxification yeah. program and we never put that out there in the world yet because that you know it is like me to do 60 percent of something and then uh stop you know so that's that's what kind of an entrepreneur is like um but it's just it's been so stark the difference between people that are coming to fringe as employees that are either coming out of school or they're coming out of you know, just something non-corporate, whether maybe they were a teacher or maybe they were in nonprofit, whatever, they come in and it's like, this is amazing. Like, I love this, but it's not like foreign. It's mm -hmm. like, this is great. You know, people that come from corporate America are like, what is this place? Like, did I mm -hmm. just go through like some sort of interdimensional portal into another land? Like what, what is happening? Mm -hmm. Because that all that corporate BS, like, professionalism just is not what they found. Right. They found like people that just actually care about them as human beings right. and like are going to put expectations on them and like want them to perform and succeed, yeah. but not in this like buttoned up corporate 
machine kind of way. Yeah. And uh, I'm really proud of that. And you're right. I mean, that that is the experience we brought to the table. That is, the, it's the EQ, you yeah. know? Like, there's some IQ there, sure, of course. Like, we couldn't do this without some IQ. But, like, I think the EQ has been yeah has been the the reason for the success so far yeah yeah i like to think too we just didn't know any better That's a true. lot of times so yeah. naivety is yeah a powerful thing it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. i i think i'd do it all again but there's stuff where it's like man if you had known how hard it was you probably would have thought twice about you know some of the difficulties of building a company yeah. and you know two or three times yeah yeah <laughs> for sure um well the last thing i want to talk about now is just a little bit more explicitly what Fringe does yeah. and kind of the space that we're in is HR, but yeah. we built a product and yep. a platform that is very specifically designed to help around this concept of lifestyle benefits. Mm -hmm. And so would love to actually just hear you talk a little bit about oh. What are lifestyle benefits? What is it that we're trying to do here with Fringe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we've covered a lot of what we're not, right? We talked about traditional benefits. Things haven't changed since the 40s or 80s or however you're counting that. And what we set out to do was a couple of things. One, we wanted to make benefits more personalized, right? Because when even and even you know i'm what am i 37 even in my childhood growing up by the time i was a teenager there's starbucks around and it's just the perfect analogy because 20 years prior to that you walk into a coffee shop if there was such a thing right mm -hmm. and it's like you went like small or large or like what you know what i mean like these are the choices and then now it's like i give some 17 word description of like the perfect drink with exactly the kind of milk I want and the temperature and mm -hmm. how frothy it is and syrups and sauces and I, you know like I'm I don't even know what I'm saying I'm just like <laughs> you know that that type of personalization is just native to our experience and certainly anybody younger than us it's right. just like well yeah you don't just get the same thing other people do obviously like right. that's 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 the experience of the marketplace and so when you go into the workplace and then you're just going back in time and it's just like chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry. It's like, mm. what? Like, where, where's my personalization? So that was one thing we set out to do is make sure that everybody could select for themselves the things that were most pertinent mm -hmm. to their life, to their lifestyle, to their personality, to their family if they have one. Um, you know, and then the, I think the second thing we wanted to do is just to get away from traditional benefits where you have to be sick or disabled, or dead, or dismembered, or 65 years old. That was a fun insurance to sell. Yeah, you know, like to benefit from your benefits, right? We're like, we, were, we just kind of asked the question, which seems obvious now that we've been asking it for like four years, where are the benefits that I can benefit from now, mm -hmm. right? In, in, my, in, in my everyday life in perpetuity where I don't have to be sick. Nothing has to be wrong. Right. I also don't have to wait 30 to 40 years to actually receive some of the benefit. Right. And so those are the two driving forces, personalization and then meeting needs now. Right. Um, and then, you know, that led us down this path to services. Right. Yep. Um, because services not only are, I think, the way to show perpetual value and perpetual appreciation to your people, but they're also just how our generation and generations coming behind us spend their money, right? Right. It's not about how many cars you can get in the driveway or how many stories your house is or whatever. It's about 
the trips and the cool subscriptions that you like and the ridiculously fancy coffee that nobody needs but we all love. And yeah. like it, it's about like the feeling, yeah. right? Of those those feelings and those moments that you can generate through really thoughtful and unique services. Right. And uh you know, so that's that's what we do. We provide that to the world. We, um, we, we issue this platform that has all of these options available to employees. Employers simply purchase that. They fund it on behalf of their people, typically monthly, sometimes in other fashions. And then their people can log in and just choose, right? It's, it's curated and personalized, and we try to guide people towards the right things for them and so forth based on where they live and some, you know, some other demographical things. Um, and that's that's fringe in a nutshell. Yeah, you know, uh, at least as it exists today. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the really cool things is uh, the notion of services and yeah. why that's so different, or experiences yeah. more specifically, and some of the research that psychologists have done around how humans experience happiness when they make purchasing decisions. Mm. I think is really fascinating because the immediate satisfaction of a purchase like Amazon, for example, right. feels good in the moment, more so than an experience even. Mm. But the research has shown that the duration of the happiness over time is far superior. Like it's definitive mm. surrounding experiences. Yeah. And so we've seen that with the younger generation, right. of course, who have kind of looked at their parents and said, hey, like, I don't want to spend my money on stuff. I want to have experiences. And yeah. so they're actually right. I think it's fair right. to say yeah. that instinct because, you know, the research is showing that as humans, we are wired for that more than we are for mm -hmm. the things or the stuff. And so I yeah. think that's something that's really important to I know. I think even when you're receiving a gift, that's true. Even if you don't buy the thing yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. we, you know, this is, we're sitting here January 5th, right? I mean, we we just had Christmas at home with my family. We celebrate Christmas and you know, I, if I ask my nine-year-old, what did you get for Christmas this year? She could tell me. If I ask her what she got for Christmas last year, no idea. Uh -huh. But she could tell me conversations that we had on a family vacation when she was five. Yeah. You know, because it was part of this experience that was meaningful to her, that moved her right. in a way that is just, it's long lasting, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I, I think I think very much the same. And whether you're purchasing the thing or whether you're just kind of receiving it as a gift, it's those experiences and, and those things that are more perpetual in nature are just, just powerful. Yeah. Well, that is a topic we're going to spend a lot more time yes. on in future episodes because I think we both have a lot to say about that. So we have a longstanding tradition on this show. Longstanding. Being that it's our first episode here. Longstanding since, you know, about 36 minutes That's ago. That's right. Yeah. Uh, where I pick a somewhat random word that Jordan then has to work into the conversation at some point in the next episode. And so our word for today... Oh, no. I will admit it's just the New York Times word of the day. So <laughs> okay. I didn't actually come up with this myself, <laughs> but I thought it was good. You'd appreciate it is ameliorate. Wow. Ameliorate. So okay. everyone. First, first I'll Google it <laughs> and then I will work it into next week's conversation. <laughs> so look out for ameliorate folks. <laughs> wow. That's going to be a lot In of the fun. next episode. Awesome. So. Well, this has been the very first episode. Thank you so much for joining us on how people work again. 
I'm Jordan Pease. This is Jason Murray, if you can see the video and me pointing towards him. If not, Jason is on the other side of the mic here. Um, we are so grateful for you listening. Please reach out to us. Let us know topics and things that you would like us to discuss. If there's any articles that you're reading that you think we should read, let us know, and we'd be happy to um, to work that into the episode, kind of like the word ameliorate. Um, we'll be having guests in the near future as well. If you've been a listener and you would like to suggest a guest to us, that has actually gone really well for me in the past. I have suggested guests um, that just kind of fit and would enjoy this, this type of conversation. So do that as well. Um, but otherwise, we'll see you soon on How People Work.